Amen. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Darren. Uh, go ahead and get your Bibles out to Ephesians chapter 5. Appreciate those songs, the great truths behind them. Ephesians chapter 5. Working our way through a uh, Sunday night series on Bible doctrine. Working on trying to understand what uh, we believe and teach here and why we believe and teach what we do. And it is essential for believers, if you want to mature in your faith, to learn what the Bible teaches to be sound doctrine. And then any disciples who want to be wiser, who want to become more mature in their faith, we also need to learn why. Uh, what is a good start, but why should be our goal. Unfortunately, some don't even bother to learn what sound Bible doctrine is, but thankfully there are some followers of Jesus who not only want to learn what sound doctrine is, but why, so that they can know where to stand in life. Uh, knowing what we teach here and why we teach it uh, is important. I want us to understand what we do here that is biblical. I want us to understand what we do here uh, are things that we do because historical biblical Christians have done them. And I want us to understand here things that we do that are really just a preference of this body of believers. Some people, they, they don't make those distinctions and they never become strong in their faith. There are some people who think that things are preferences when they're actually Bible. And there are other things that people treat like doctrine and they're really just preferences. And if you and I are going to stand where we ought to stand, we really need to know the difference. Sound doctrine is the key to our stability in life. Uh, we are exhorted to give attendance to doctrine, attention to doctrine, to give heed to doctrine. We're warned that in the last days that some would depart from the faith. We're exhorted in the book of Jude to uh, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And so uh, we pause for what is going to be several months. I think this is actually our... 17th message of the 40 or so that I have planned, and it is so important we take our time for this kind of thing. For the last few weeks, as most of you know, we have been focused on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. We have learned and been reminded that when someone becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to permanently live inside of them from the moment of their salvation. And we have learned that the Holy Spirit seals us until the day God redeems us from this earth, that He is our comforter, He is our teacher, He is the one who helps us pray. Uh, we spent last week talking about Him being the source of our spiritual fruit. Uh, the Holy Spirit makes His love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness and faith available to each of us because He dwells in us. And we were reminded that He naturally produces His fruit because it's what He does, just like an apple tree produces apples when it is in good soil with proper sunlight and proper light. If the Holy Spirit is unhindered by your choices and mine as believing people, He will produce His fruit in our lives. And so tonight we continue to study the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. I want us to understand His work. It will always strengthen our faith and help us in life if we understand the spiritual realm. There is a realm, and we're all aware of the realm we can see. 
Uh, but many people are not aware that there is a spiritual realm that we cannot see with our earthly eyes, and it is important we understand that as well. Now, I'm going to admit before we start tonight that this is a little bit of a deeper spiritual subject than usual, but I believe that it's perfectly appropriate for the kind of believer that comes back on purpose on Sunday night, and I believe it'll help uh, everyone here who pays attention. I think when we understand the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us, it really helps us as Christian people. If you're able to stand tonight, if you would stand, please, in honor of the Word of God. Uh, we're still, this is our fifth part of the Holy Spirit in our life as a believer in Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Thank you. Might be seated. I'm not really talking about this tonight, but in verse 18, believing people are very clearly told not to be drunk. I, guess, I, I know in 2022 in Christian circles, people don't talk about that anymore, but I want to tell you it's in the Bible. I don't really think God looks at uh, .08 like the state of Ohio and says, well, you're not drunk if you're .07. I think what God wants is He wants us to be sober-minded. He, he wants us influenced not by substances, but by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. And by the way, anybody who is a true believer who actually loves God is looking to do the things that most please the God they love. Uh, by the way, God is most pleased with sobriety. He wants our thinking to be clear and right. Anybody who loves God is not looking for some sin line and say, well, I've only had two beers. I'm only at .07. Stop that. Stop that. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Uh, now, in contrast to that, uh, God instead, He wants, in fact, He commands believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, hear me when I say this commandment would be pointless if every believer were automatically filled with the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not the same as the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Every believer has the Holy Spirit permanently dwelling in them. Every believer automatically has the Holy Spirit in their life when they receive Christ. But every believer is not filled with the Holy Spirit when they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be pointless to command that if it was something that automatically happened. Which brings up actually a good question. If the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not synonymous with having the Holy Spirit, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Now, I've been in several services where men that I consider to be good and sincere men uh, took these four things that follow verse 18 and say these are the four qualities that 
carry, uh, characterize those who are filled with the Spirit. Um, I don't personally believe that's the case. We'll talk about that in, the, in a moment. But these are four qualities that are the work of the Holy Spirit, and they are certainly admirable in believers. Uh, notice he begins in verse 19 by saying, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, we are to speak among ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That is, communicating among ourselves with songs with content. By the way, the inspired songbook of the Bible, the Psalms, have 150 songs that are characterized by doctrine, for, by content, and by historical things. Uh, minimal repetition. Speak to ourselves in that manner is what we're told. And then he says we're to sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. In the last half of verse 19, he says singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. A melody rather than rhythm should be the focus of music that most pleases the Lord. Listen, having the right kind of music in our heart and singing it with our heart when we sing is important. That is so important to sing with our heart when we assemble and sing. Amen? Uh, we're not supposed to just mumble. We're not supposed to just sit there and look around. One of the things that believers do together when we assemble is we sing together unto the Lord from our heart. That is part of what we're told to do here. And the next thing, the third thing that follows uh, the command to be filled with the Spirit is in verse 20. He says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we break this out on Thanksgiving services and we remind ourselves really should all the time be thankful people. It takes some maturity and some, and some faith to be thankful for all things. Most of us find it pretty easy to be thankful for things that we recognize to be good and appreciate and want, but we're supposed to be thankful for all things because we have a loving Father in heaven who has loving hands and nothing gets to you or me, but that doesn't first throw, flow through His hands. And then the fourth and last thing following that is there in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another other in the fear of God. You see, for you and I to humbly fill the roles God assigned to us, assigned to us in society, assigned to us in our home, assigned to us in His church, that is a wonderful mark of the work of the Spirit and of spiritual maturity. Now, like I said earlier, I've heard good men teach that these four things are evidence of the fullness of the Spirit. Uh, and it's certainly true they're all good qualities. But I do not believe, personally, that biblical terminology makes those things related to the fullness of the Spirit. Uh, I do believe uh, that to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and to uh, sing and make melody in our hearts and to be thankful for all things and to humbly submit and follow and stand and be in the role where God has placed us. I do believe that's the work of the Spirit, but I do not believe it is part of the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit. You say, why? Well, first off, the punctuation. I get it, and the punctuation in our Bible is not exactly like we punctuate things in uh, English in 22. But notice the sentence begins at the beginning of verse 18, and the sentence ends at the end of verse 21. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. And he's going to give us five qualities in this sentence 
that he wants instead of us being drunk with wine. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit. He wants us to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He wants us to sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. He wants us to give thanks always for all things and submit ourselves one to another. It's one sentence. Now you could argue it's four things instead of five because in verse 19 there's a comma instead of a semicolon in between speaking to ourselves and singing, but that's, that's not the point. Uh, I also believe these are not evidences of the fullness of the Spirit because none of the things listed between verse 19 and 21 are ever directly linked with any of the New Testament examples of someone said to be filled with the Spirit. There are 15 times in the New Testament where some individual is expressly said to be filled with the Spirit. None of those four things that follow Uh, verse 18, are ever listed. You never read that such and so was filled with the Spirit and they sang. You never read someone was filled with the Spirit and they thanked God. You never read someone was filled with the Spirit and they humbly submitted to the role God assigned to them. You just don't read that. There are 15 instances in the New Testament where someone is specifically said to be filled with the Holy Spirit and none of them mention any of the nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit. You never read that such and so was filled with the Spirit and they loved. You never read that such and so was filled with the Spirit and they had joy. You never read that such and so was filled with the Spirit and they demonstrated long-suffering. That's just not the way it is. And if you and I are going to be careful Bible students, then we need to begin by recognizing that the fruit of the Spirit and the qualities just mentioned, uh, they're part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but they are not the same as being filled with the Spirit. That being said, there are some things that do occur when an individual is said to be filled with the Spirit. I believe that in our sincere desire to describe as many believers as possible among us as being filled with the Spirit, I believe we've muddied the water between the difference in the fullness of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Instead of rightly making those two different aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry in us. I believe in our desire to define as many people as possible as being filled with the Spirit, we've lowered the bar on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. See, we want to think that any believer we rightly respect and that we love and and we see uh, demonstrating the the fruit of the Spirit, we we want to not say, well, they're not filled with the Spirit. We we don't want to do that. And, And I believe because of our unwillingness to define these things like the Scripture does, we have missed what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Fact of the matter is, is that if I passed a paper out tonight and I gave everyone a pen and I said, write down the biblical characteristics of some individual who is filled with the Spirit, I bet I'd get a lot of blank papers. I bet what I would get back is a lot of people who would list things like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, but those are the fruit of the Spirit. They are not the fullness of the Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit is not permanent like Him living in us. It is a temporary condition that I believe to be the highest 
and closest relationship a believer can have with the Spirit of God living in us. Hear me when I say people can be saved, faithful, and have the Spirit of God producing fruit in their life because they walk in the Spirit but still display little or no evidence of His fullness. Being filled with the Spirit is different from having the comfort of the Spirit. From Acts 9.31, though all those who are filled with the Spirit are comforted by the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is different from being led by the Spirit in Romans 8.14. Though all those who are filled with the Spirit are following His leadership. Being filled with the Spirit is different in walking in the Spirit in Galatians 5.16 and living in the Spirit in Galatians 5.25. Though all those who are filled with the Spirit walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is different from the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, 22 and 23 being produced in our lives. Though every believer who is filled with the Spirit of God has the Holy Spirit producing His fruit in them. And I hope as I talk about these things, I hope your heart is beginning and to get curious. And that your interest is beginning to get peaked a, a little bit because there's some people here tonight and you want God to greatly use you. You don't want to live uh, what I would just call uh, an average Christian life. You, you want to influence your family for Christ. You want to influence people in the circle of your life for Christ. You want your ministry to be more than just what is explainable by, by your natural gifts and abilities and effort. You, you want something more in your life. And I hope your interest is beginning to be piqued tonight as we think about what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Are you filled with the Spirit of God tonight? If you're not filled with the Spirit of God tonight, when was the last time you were filled with the Spirit of God? What does it even mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? See, biblical churches for too long have stayed away from this doctrine because of the abuse of the charismatics on television and radio and on the internet. And because they just go crazy with these doctrines, we have responded by staying away. And unfortunately, it's left us ignorant. And it's left us missing the blessing of what it means to be a Christian who's filled with the Spirit of God. For me personally, this is a doctrine that captured my attention years ago. When God saved me years ago, it was really, really rough. Really rough. But early on in my Christian life, I saw how God really blessed the life and ministry of some to be effective. And I watched how others seemed to be working just as hard, but they didn't have the blessings of God in their life like some others did, and it really got my interest. In fact, the practical effects of being filled with the Spirit for a believer, if you're a Christian who wants to be used by God, this really gets your attention. And it's sad that very few of us could actually list the biblical qualities of what it means, what is the evidence when someone is filled with the Spirit. 
or how to even go about having that happen. Now before we can answer those kinds of questions, we need to address another area of the Holy Spirit's ministry in us. If you would please go next to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You see, the Holy Spirit is our source of spiritual power with God. We've talked about a lot of different things that are the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And one of those things, one of the things that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us and through us is the Holy Spirit is the power of God working in us. Notice his power is behind witnessing to people effectively. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it says, When they were come together, they asked of him, that's the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? By the way, it's not our message tonight, but understand, the apostles expected the kingdom to be restored again to Israel. That's why they asked that question. Notice how he answered in verse 7. He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. By the way, we don't not only know the day or hour when Christ is coming back, it's not our business to know the times or seasons. By the way, I didn't say that. We just read that. I'm not implying there aren't, quote, signs of the times and things that we see on the horizon. I'm just saying, when you get to think and you know so much about when Jesus is coming back, you, you probably ought to just chill it down a little bit. You see, the apostles received the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20 and verse 22 and he breathed on them. But notice what he says to them in verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. They had already received the Spirit. He already dwelt in them. And now Jesus speaks of a future time for them. We now know to be Pentecost when they would be empowered by the Spirit. By the way, whenever you read the word power in your Bible, you have to pay attention to the context because sometimes power is referring to authority kind of power. And other times it's referring to a raw kind of a power, a dynamite uh, kind of a power. And that's the word here. Uh, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers believers, raw power, dynamite power, to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Do you want to be an effective witness for Jesus? You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Listen, having a plan for what you're going to say is nice, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit that makes our witness effective. Having some measure of the gift of gab and more knowledge of the Scripture helps, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit that's essential for effective witnessing for Christ. By the way, by effective, I mean something happening instead of just you talking. By the way, witnessing begins with us talking. But effective witnessing is done because of the power of the Spirit of God on what we say. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to be effective witnesses for Christ. 
Hear me when I say the most important factor to be an effective witness is the fullness of the Spirit because that is the Holy Spirit speaking to their heart while you speak to their ears. My personal great desire whenever I witness for Christ is the fullness of the Spirit that His Spirit would speak to their heart when I speak to their ears. By the way, that should be the desire of every serious-minded Christian here. If you have someone in your life you want to influence for Christ, someone in your uh, uh, life you want to witness to for Christ, you need the fullness of the Spirit. I hope that's your great desire tonight. You might not have understood this truth uh, before uh, seeing it in in the Scriptures, but I pray your heart begins to burn, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only is the Holy Spirit behind uh, all the power behind all effective witnessing, if you go in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Not only is the Holy Spirit behind the power behind effective witnessing, the Holy Spirit is the power behind all effective speaking, teaching, and preaching. Well, do you want to know the difference between a, a dead church preaching the Bible and a live church preaching the Bible? The power of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom. Notice how Paul describes his entrance to Corinth, where God used him to plant a church. He says, my speech, he said, I wasn't eloquent. Not excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's Paul's focus. He said, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Here it is, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. He wasn't a salesman. Not with enticing words of man's wisdom. What was Paul's effective speech and preaching? Demonstration of the Spirit and of power. What made Paul effective? As an apostle, the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and that he did great miracles that the apostles did before the written New Testament was completed. And he spoke with the power of the Spirit. That's what he says here, and that's the same root word. That's dynamite power. That is raw power. Why was Paul effective? It wasn't eloquence. It wasn't his salesmanship. It was the power of the Spirit of God. Speaking the truth to the ears of our children is good. Speaking the truth with the power of the Holy Spirit, is better and more effective. Teaching the Word of God knowledgeably is good. Teaching truth with the power of the Holy Spirit is better and more effective. Preaching the Word of God is clearly good, but preaching the Word in the power of the Holy Spirit is better and more effective. Hear me when I say the most important factor to effectively influencing others for Christ is the fullness of the Spirit because that is the Holy Spirit speaking to their heart when we speak to their ears. When my wife and I were raising our children, my great desire as a parent was the fullness of the Spirit. 
that God would speak to the hearts of our children when I spoke to their ears. It is my constant prayer as a teacher and preacher of the Word of God through the week, every morning, through the week, through the day, every time I'm on the platform, when I sit up here before I speak, one of my prayers is always for the fullness of the Spirit of God that God would speak to your hearts when I speak to your ears. It should be the great desire of every singer, every witness, every worker, every teacher, every parent, every leader of any sort. The fullness of the Spirit, I'm glad, is not just for preachers and public, spirit, public speakers. It is an opportunity for every true Christian because the Spirit of God lives in every true Christian. And you, as a true Christian, can be filled with the Spirit and you can have the Spirit of God speak to the ears when you, speak, when you speak to their ears, you can have Him speak to their hearts. I hope it's your great desire. You may not have understood this great truth before we go over it in the Bible, but I pray tonight your heart begins to burn, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you ever come here, and anything I ever say to you personally or publicly is particularly effective to your heart, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with any eloquence I might have or might not. I'm constantly trying to stop saying, hmm. If anything I say or do in your life is effective to your heart, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. But by the way, this morning, uh, when Melissa sang, I don't even know if she's here tonight. Uh, she's not good. That way I can talk about her. Uh, the, the music that was played, that, that was not music that was appealing to, to our flesh. It was well done. Melissa has a beautiful voice. But listen, if that song that she sang this morning was effective in your heart at all, it was the work of the Holy Spirit. And every one of us wants to be more effective as witnesses, as parents, as teachers, as preachers of truth. As we think about this, it's very obvious how important it is to have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and ministry. Can I just say, by and large, much of modern American Christianity has abandoned what it means to be filled with the Spirit and preach and teach in the power of the Spirit for other things. I hope you understand that there is a kind of a feeling that our flesh and the, and the devil can produce that is an imitation of the work of the Holy Spirit. And what modern churches do, because they uh, can't preach and teach in the power of the Spirit, and because the Spirit of God is not convicting and changing people, they must draw people by other means. See, without the power of the Spirit, ministries must resort to marketing and entertainment to imitate the work of the Spirit. That's why there's an overemphasis on easy things from the New Testament like love and mercy and grace and excluding more difficult things like separation and judgment and hell and the holiness and those kinds of things. Those things don't market well. And yet they were a clear part of the ministry and life of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of those who did anything that's recorded for us in the New Testament. 
ministry done in the power of the Holy Spirit should include all these things. Without the power of the Spirit, ministries must rely on light shows to imitate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I uh, am not someone who does a lot on Facebook, but I do get on there occasionally, and quite a lot of people over the years I've watched post little clips of what they call Christian concerts. Sometimes even Christian church services. And do you, do you, can I just tell you what they remind me of? Going to rock concerts as an unsaved person. Listen, uh, those, uh, when I went to see Aerosmith or Bob Seger or any of those people that are probably long dead at, at this point, they weren't appealing to the Spirit of God. They were appealing to the flesh of everybody who was there. And that's, and that's exactly what's going on because they must resort to other means because the Spirit of God is not alive and causing what they're doing to come alive. Without the power of the Spirit, ministries must rely on music that stirs people's flesh. Christians in any previous generation of which we are aware, aware, biblical Christians, they were always very careful about the kind of music they brought into the house of God. I mean, go read Charles Spurgeon. He didn't even want any musical instruments in there. Nothing but the human voice. Go ahead and quote him all day long. Did you know that about him? He did not want anything that would hinder or imitate the work of the Holy Spirit. He wanted what he did to be completely reliant on the fullness and the power of the Spirit of God in his ministry. And by the way, I want that same thing. I want when someone hears anything about Bible Baptist Church or Christ's ministry here, I want them to be able to say, wow, I sure can't understand that. I know him. He's not that likable. I'm not. I'm trying to be. I bribe kids with candy. You see with how important our need is for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and His fullness to us, why is it we know so little about this truth? Too few could tell or show biblically what kind of evidence the fullness of the Spirit produces. Too few could tell or show biblically how to be filled with the Spirit. Too few could show biblically what kind of things hinder the fullness of the Spirit in our lives. And as we consider the fullness of the Spirit, let me ask you, are you parenting and leading your home with the power of the fullness of the Spirit? Let let me ask you, are you witnessing and teaching and trying to influence and be light in the circle of your life with the power and fullness of the Spirit of God? You see, the fullness of the Spirit of God, if we study those 15 instances, is always evidenced by at least one of three common qualities. So what are they? Well, if the Lord tarries, we'll get to that next time. 
Listen. If the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so important in our life, we, we've, this is our fifth week on it. Don't you think it's important as Christians we understand what hinders him? Did you know there are specific sins against the Spirit? We'll have to talk about those later. For tonight, what I really want to do is I want our heart to be stirred to understand this truth so that God would better use every parent, every witness, every grandparent, every teacher, every preacher, so that God's hand and the fullness of his spirit would be at work in our lives. Amen. That's my heart's desire. If you quietly stand.